What is happening, Bitcoin accumulation country? My name is Phil. This is the Fun with Crypto podcast. We are in season two, and this is episode 32. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us. We've got a, another very special episode. We're doing number three of the Lightning Node Roundtable. So joining us today, we are going to have, you're going to hear from Rick who is at Crypto Cloaks. You're going to hear from BTC Socialist. You're going to hear from Oliver. And you're going to hear from OpenNoms and Suheb. And they are going to talk about all the updates that are going on right now with the parts of Lightning that they are working with. Everything from uh, Suheb with Ride the Lightning to OpenNoms with his Raspberry Pi 4 testing. And Rick is going to be talking about his uh, his updates with the uh, the open source uh 3D printing project for the uh, the lightning shells and BTC Socialist is just going to blow our minds with really cool lightning pay terminals and we've got Oliver who um, who actually wrote a really cool paper that I'm excited to test out about um, recovering funds from your lightning nodes. Anyways, got a hell of an episode lined up for you guys. Without further ado. Here is the Lightning Node Roundtable number three. All right. Good morning, evening, and night, Bitcoin accumulation country. Welcome to the third Lightning Node Roundtable. Joining us today are the following Lightning Nodes of the Roundtable. We've got Rick from Crypto Cloaks. We've got BTC Socialist. We've got Oliver. We've got OpenNoms. And we've got Suheb from Ride the Lightning. Thank you guys very much for joining us. <clears throat> and uh, thanks for having us again. I guess uh, I guess what we can do is we'll we'll get right into it. Let's start with uh, you know everybody's updates. Whoever, uh, uh, what we'll do is uh, I guess we'll go in a in a line. And uh, in my case, it uh, it starts off with Rick from Crypto Cloaks. Now I remember, uh, Rick, you were talking about uh, doing some kind of. Um, Something that you were going to send out, I think, for everybody to use an open source project. Yeah, so I'm working with Roots closely on what he wanted for a simple, simple lightning shell or whatever case for the Raspy Blitz. So I'm working on an open source project that anybody can print, modify, and we'll get that up there for the Raspberry Pi 4. Uh, he wanted rubber bands to hold on to it. And I saw OpenNOMS posted a couple images with running four rubber bands. So I might, I got to try to get an. Uh, change the design on that one. And the best part about open sourcing it, I'll just put out the basic one here soon, and then people can modify that design if they want to and try to figure out different things. So it's actually gonna be pretty sweet. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where the open source is. I have the top and bottom almost done, and I'll get those up there on the GitHub here shortly. I saw that uh, you had some, um, some four cases out, some Raspberry Pi four cases. How are those? Yeah, uh, awesome. My printers have been nonstop busy with those five fours. <laughs> I can't wait to actually get my little shim fan finally. So that way we can be official on the test. I measured it all out. The shim fan will fit in there with the Raspberry Pi 4, but I want to make sure my own is coming this week. But yeah, the Pi 4 case is out. And I modified all of the cases to increase um, thermals in it. I put side vents on all of them, redesigned everything. So they should be a lot better moving forward, Pi 3 and 4. Very cool. <laughs> Uh, that's that's all that's all I got for updates I guess for right now. Uh, 
we move on to the next person. Cool. Thank you very much, um, Oliver. What's going on in the uh, in the world of uh, TLS and macaroons? <laughs> uh, not too much, to be honest. Uh, I was on vacation for a while, and uh, when I came back, um, I was approached by uh, two different people who asked me, "Hey, could you help uh, me recover some funds? I lost uh, I lost some channels, and I didn't do the channel backup stuff." And uh, I really looked into that, and uh, I ended up uh, writing an article about how you could uh, actually get your funds back, even if you don't have a channel backup. So I wrote a tool that you can uh, more or less create a fake channel backup and uh, at least get get your funds back. So uh, yeah, that's that's what I did lately, but nothing much else. What, what do you yeah. mean nothing much else? That's like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, but I've got like 5% of a Bitcoin sitting out there just dead because I can't oh. get to it. So I'm definitely going to bug you for this after. And we're going to post a link. Okay. To, yeah, we're going to post a link to that in the show notes. That That's freaking huge. <laughs> um, yeah, there there's some conditions for this to work. And uh, I've only done it uh, exactly once uh, successfully, but I okay. think it should help. Uh, some people at least. So yeah, we should definitely look into it. Yeah, I will be your guinea pig. I'll, okay, I'll be your second cool. guinea pig. No problem. <laughs> we will test it out again. All right, nice. <laughs> All right, very cool. Okay, so uh, I guess we're gonna we're gonna move on to uh, to open noms. I uh, open noms, man. Uh, I, I've noticed like uh, you know you've been doing the the VM stuff, and uh, I also saw that you put out a tweet with like. Um, uh, different stats for heat levels on on the uh on your pies like for for testing so what's going on <clears throat> i think you're on mute all right so hi it's uh, it's good there to be go. here again uh, it's been you know it is a very busy summer for me as well i'm you know trying to travel as much as possible but in the meantime yes as you said the art before uh it came out in like a Monday morning out of no out of nowhere. So, you know, I just quickly seen it on Twitter, went straight on to like PyHut, I think, and, you know, ordered it. It was out of stock. The four gigabytes uh, RAM one was out of stock in an hour later. So, <laughs> so you know, that was a good one. So got got it got it quite early. And then, you know, yes, just uh, just tested it how how it takes um, the challenge of doing an initial blog download um, and yeah it's put some numbers out and you know we just found out and you know confirmed by others as well that we will we need an active cooling for it which is now basically the best we could found find is the is the p moroni or pi moroni uh, fan which is a which is a fan attached to the gpio ports and just uh, basically hidden under the LCD screen. So um, if you yeah didn't see that, check it out. That's that's, that's a pretty good one. It keeps it under like 40, 45 degrees, uh, which is which is valid enough. So uh, yeah. I just got a USB. I, I actually, I'll put the link in the, um, in the group chat, but I got uh, a two pack of USB fans yeah. Because I figured we yeah. could run off that, so I'm going to test this out. I, I should have them in like two days. Sure, sure, sure. No, I, I was using just uh, um, a fan 
out of you know of another setup to to test and you know it makes a huge difference so you know anything you got you need to you need to put that under like <laughs> to not to to avoid throttling the cpu uh, you know when when on high uh, demand so that's what, uh, what sort of what sort of temperatures did it get up to without the fan did you measure it goes that? well above 80 and then you know it throttles down to half of you know like down to uh, one gigahertz i think and then maybe even lower so you know that's not something so you want to be without a heat sink or any fan just bare bones yeah yeah that's wow. that's bare bones and then and then with the with the i think even just the minimal heat sink in an open case was i mean without the case it, it was making like you know even like 10 degrees difference but that's you know you ideally wanted to keep it under 60 degrees because that's when it starts to get uh take the voltage off the cpu and then you know the uh, performance drops so the the fan you're talking about is that the little one where it blows the air out the side like a um, like a laptop or something so it sort of spins out and blows out the side um, no it's uh it's, it's a, here actually it's like a top uh, fan like a it's top not... heatsink fan but it, yeah oh yeah i don't think you will be able to see this because it's plugged in actually should probably it's just under the. Uh, it's just under your camera. Yes. Don't break, do don't break your note, though. <laughs> just unplug yeah. it really quickly. We now have a process to recover the funds. So. <laughs> right. So this is the oh, one. Oh, okay. So it's a shim. It's called a shim fan. Yeah. It's, it's a shim because it goes on the GPIO and it it fits under the. So these these bits fit under the LCD. Yeah, it, it slides right under into the pin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it is. It is. It's called the Shim Fan. If you Google it, then you know it is. It comes up. It has also an LCD. It also has a button, a little clicky button. <laughs> How much are uh, those? Nine pounds. So nine pounds. Around ten dollars. Yeah, I got so. mine sent to me for fourteen bucks total of shipping. And you got a Shim Fan also the same thing? Yeah, I got that one. I ordered okay. it. Should be here to tomorrow, hopefully. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So what, what about when you actually did get it downloading the blockchain? How long did it take you to do? Because I saw you released some stuff on Twitter about that. I think it, it, mine, mine was 80 hours, but it was it also was, was running behind Tor. So, you know, that, I mean, I, I checked and I have an, a couple of other Tor nodes in my, in my flat. So, you know, uh, but I checked they didn't really download from each other un until I, I gave the actual tour address to it um so but other tests showed like 96 hours i think uh, a guy called goes by the handle of bavarian ledger uh did it in 96 hours so in three four days it's very realistic and we didn't even touch the bitcoin conf settings which are optimized for the raspberry pi 3 for one gigabyte ram so if we you know like quadruple those settings like the buffer uh, size then it should be even quicker so you know around three days is realistic well, which is cool, yeah. I think. yeah and that was with an ssd as well so i mean we that's... could try with the hard drive that will probably add a bit of time but um... so, so for the folks at home you might not know like what what is the difference between the pi 4 and the pi the, the pi 3 and why is a pi 4 able to download the blockchain without you know using a torrent or right so i mean we have almost every specs in, improved a lot i mean it has a it has a similar 
the CPU is a similar architecture, but it is faster. It runs on like, I think 1.5 gigahertz and it's quad core, but it can go a bit higher, but it's, I don't think it's worth to push it. But the biggest difference, I mean, two biggest difference are the RAM size. We have a choice from one gigab gigabyte to two and four. Obviously, if you can get your hands on a four gigabyte one, that would, worst, would make it the most future proof. But I think a two gigabytes would be very much sufficient for, for most of the things we use as well. Uh, and then the other thing is to have a, a USB 3 connection, which is you know more than 10 times quicker than the USB 3 on the previous. Um, also, they divided the rail of the Ethernet port and the USB ports, which have been on a common rail lot, uh, on the RP3, which made it basically compete for speed uh, between the internet connection or the LAN connection and the USB port. So it was it was very, very slow. And this one is, you know, just the specifications say 10 times more. But um, yeah, we did some tests and it was actually uh, close to that in real life as well. Like the read and write time of the of the SDD or HDD is, is significantly uh, quicker. Well, that's cool because often, like with these new products, they always like um, over over you know oversell the product, don't they? And they give you all these big numbers, but then it doesn't actually. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, can, I suppose with that's why we like the Raspberry Pi is because we can trust that the numbers that they come out with are probably honest. And well, you know, this this is a true true upgrade. I think the the Raspberry Pi three was was quite outdated since a while now, because every yeah. computing kind of you know company from. Pine 64 to hard kernel, which makes the old roids, have been having you know USB 3 connectors and gigabit LAN connectors um, and more RAM, um, at least like two gigabytes or four gigabytes. But but now you know the Raspberry Pi came up with it as well. It also comes with a new version of Debian. I think they like timed it to the right time. So you upgrade and you have a, a, a Debian 10 called Buster, <laughs> strange name, and um, yeah, I mean, it gives a couple of new new uh, functions as well um, and needs loads of testing. <laughs> but we have the, we have the, if you, you probably know that we have the, um, Rootsol has released the uh, release candidate one of the Raspiblitz 1.3. Yeah. Which is compatible with an ARP, with the Raspberry Pi 4 and also, um, Yes, runs on the Raspbian, which is based on the Debian 10, the Buster. Are are the uh, are the specs? Um, is the uh, is the bit uh, sorry uh, the Bitcoin config file on the uh, 1.3 candidate? Are the settings uh, optimized for the uh, for the RPI4? Well, no, they they still be kept the setting. Or do we have to do it manually? Yes, I mean we. First of all, we need to test if it makes any difference if it changed. Oh yeah, right? that's true. <laughs> and but what Ruth so wanted, and you know, I, I agree completely that we we will we want to keep the compatibility with the Raspberry Pi three, as yes. you know, we want those people to upgrade to the new version of the Raspberry Pi as well, who are who are running on Raspberry Pi three. So we keep those settings by default, and you know, we already know that it works pretty well. I mean, with the initial blockchain. Block download of three, four days, even with those settings, is is completely acceptable. 
um, I'm curious if we can if we can improve that at all. Cool. Um, all right, we are going to uh, we're going to move on to uh, to Suheb right now from uh, Ride the Lightning. Hey guys. Um, so in How's terms it? of updates, uh, so we uh, we have started collaborating uh, uh, with a person on the UX side. So expect some UX improvements uh, in the future iterations of RTL. Uh, you know, um, so we've had some uh, discussions. Uh, the outcome is good. Uh, now we are in a position where we we can actually start development, right? So uh, it'll take us some time because the uh, the UX inputs are almost like a complete overall of the UI. Uh, it's going to be a very different design, uh, so it'll require a lot of development uh, effort as well. Uh, so that's one thing that we are. Uh, that's a big thing which will come out uh, in the near future, uh, and then uh, the the other thing that we are working on is uh, integration with Sea Lightning. Uh, I have uh, a basic version of uh, API layer out. Uh, the rest APIs for Sea Lightning. Uh, we need to add more, uh, you know, uh, API coverage. But there is a basic API set out which we can start using to integrate the UI. And then, uh, then we have to, of course, uh, you know, work on adding Lightning Loop and uh, you know other LND features, which uh, which uh, are very important for, for instance, like merchants operating on BTC Pay server, and they need um, features like Lightning Loop uh, so that they can, uh, you know, add incoming capacity, right? Uh, so <clears throat> these are some of the things that uh, we are working on. Uh, a lot of things, uh, you know, time is limited, so it'll take us time to kind of cover all of these things. But yeah, we, are, we will be working on these things. Any um, any plans for uh, supporting watchtowers or anything like that? I know that's like not near future, but I it is coming. Like we're starting to see some watchtower stuff out there. I, I saw mm -hmm. there was some yeah, <laughs> some stuff from OpenNOMS. Actually, uh, and in fact, you know, if you look at RTLs. Uh, from a design philosophy perspective, right, the persona that we've been building towards uh, of RTL is a routing node operator, and uh, a logical extension to routing node operator would be, you know, washover operator. So it makes sense to have uh, definitely have a UI feature which kind of supports those, uh, um, you know, aspects as well. Uh, I think with LND seven, you have the washover uh, enabled. Uh, I've not tested it yet. Uh, I've just read about it. Uh, but you know, like there's now our pipeline is getting clogged. Like we have a lot of features to develop, uh, and very uh, you know very less time. So that's where we are trying to prioritize. You know, uh, functional UX was actually very uh, kind of uh, basic in the current RTL version that you have. Uh, you know, it's it's very raw, kind of clunky, uh, but it gives you a functional way to deal with your node functions. Uh, we are uh, very keen on you know, creating a more polished um, UX, uh, and then also continue to add functional features. There's going to be a minor release coming up right now where you can add, you can do query routes. Uh, we are hoping to release it today, uh, and some uh, bug uh, bug fixes. Uh, and then uh, we'll start working on our, you know, UX improvements and see lightning integration. Oh, man. That is that that is awesome. And by the way, the the fact that you're working on so many different features that that's because you're getting so many requests. So that's a high class problem. We like that. You yeah, know? <laughs> a nice problem to have. But 
does not leave time for anything else it's just crazy, you know pipeline of development that we have to continue to do well, I, I love your interface, and I know that all I hear from the anybody in the community is all good things. So keep it up, you know. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. We, we we love it. Um, okay, so here let's uh, we're going to move on to uh, BTC Socialist. Uh, you were out. You were out at a conference recently, or at some point, I feel. I don't know if it was the San Francisco conference, but I remember you tweeting about something. What's yeah, going on? I went to the, the San Francisco conference and um, fitted some of these little modules to arcade machines so they could accept lightning. They were cool. Um, and they had good feedback. It was like a good experience in the conference. My favorite part of the conference was the, um, the guys who worked there, like the security guards, um, they came over and they said, oh, what's this? And I said, oh, it's, you know, you can pay for using Bitcoin for these arcade machines, blah, blah, blah. And then I got them to install a wallet and I sent them some Satoshis and then they were doing it on their breaks. They were coming up and then they were, you know, they were playing on these arcade machines. And then at the end of the day, I turned all the arcade machines off and all the machines off, all the little, um, just like an ESP32 with a screen, just requesting an invoice and, you know, displaying the invoice as a QR code. Um, and then uh, they came up and they turned them all back on. And then when the night shift guys came in, they taught them, they showed them how to download a wallet. And then sent them some Satoshis too. So you had all these like future coiners. And that was the best part of the conference because we're all Bitcoiners, but you had all the people working there actually using it and like in enjoying the experience of using it as well, which was great. Um, uh, so that was really cool. And then we had uh, shortly after that, it was a few weeks after that, we had the Bit Devs um, in London. So Christian Rutzel came over and then we, we drove over to Bit Devs in London. That was great. Open Noms was there. Um, uh, Christian did a, a fantastic um, uh, presentation on the Raspberry Blitz and then um, the, the transition as well. So, so we talked a little bit about the, using the, the, the Raspberry Pi 4. Um, uh, so if anyone hasn't seen that, then it's well worth looking up if you go on YouTube. I mean, we could drop the link in the show notes, but um, you could probably just find it, you know, if you type in BitDevs, uh, Raspberry Blitz or something. But that's a, you know, it's, it's a long presentation, but I think it's one of the, it's, it's the, the least boring presentation I've seen in quite a long time. Um, I really enjoyed it, so that was great. And then I got to show off some of my little bits I've been making as well after the, after he did that. And then after Bit Devs, he then came back here to uh, Wales for a few days, and we worked on um, we worked on a flux capacitor, so a point of sale device for Room Seventy Seven in Berlin, interacting with their their, their Raspberry Blitz node. Um, and we got that working; it was great. And he went home with it. But I wasn't 100% happy with the form factor, like I printed it myself, it was a little bit clunky. Had it, you know, it's, it's functional, like it's got massive batteries and run out of power and it's got a backlit screen and things, but it just felt a little bit clunky and crappy. Um, so uh, one of the other projects, projects I've been doing is playing around with um, uh, the M5 stack and the M5 stick and with Step and making little hardware wallets, DIY hardware wallets. Um, and I, I thought, as with, you know, the original flux capacitor thing once i got the qr code on the little screen i was like okay all i need now is a keypad to be able to plug in and i can turn it into a point of sale terminal so then yesterday i was able to because i've been busy but i was able to yesterday just sit down have a good 12 hour stint at the computer and i was able to hammer it out um so i've got here like a little it's, it's like a 55 dollar uh point of sale terminal um and this is communicating with the uh raspi blitz um uh, the Room 77 uh, Blitz, um, and if I click it on, you should get, there we are, get a little logo thing come up, which is pretty cool, using a little VGL, and then it should, once it's connected, there we are, um, it asks you to input an amount, and then it does like the conversion on the fly, so you input an amount, 
um, but you can cancel it if you want. So we'll cancel that, say. Um, and then we can input an amount. Ooh. And then if we hit this one here, this button, so button C, it says processing. And then it should fetch an invoice, bring it back, process it, and then display a little lightning QR code there. It's pretty okay. cool. Okay. Um, Question. Yes. Uh, so how does it, so I'm sorry, how does it communicate with the Blitz? So it's just doing it over the API, just an API request, isn't it? So it's got the invoice and the read macaroon, um, and it's also got the TLS certificate. So it just does a SSL connection with the Blitz, and then using the um, uh, LND API, it just you know requests an invoice for the amount in which you input, and then brings it back and displays it. And now, and now it's just checking has the invoice been paid. Um, what's really cool though is it like so? This is called um, the actual unit is called an M5 stack. Uh, face uh, development kit um, uh, and the, the full unit comes with a whole bunch of different little like keypads and things and you can kind of like add them on or, or swap them over whatever um, but it's like $55 and it comes with a little power docking station which is magnetic so you can just stick it on something metal and then you pop that in there and if, if this is plugged in it just it's just powering it so when they're using it in the bar they can just pull it off like a normal point of sale terminal and blah 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 um, I'll, I'll cancel that because I'm going to wallet out so if you can, yeah, you can cancel it. See, it says cancelled. Um, but then not only does this, have I got like a, a Raspberry Blitz uh, version, so an LND node version, I also made like a uh, open node version as well. So this one's using the open node um, API to do this, basically the same thing, except you're not using your own node, you're just using open nodes um, thing instead. Um, so my idea being that, you know, my guy's got a coffee shop down the road, he wants to accept Bitcoin, um, me and Stefan were working uh, on well, Stefan mostly because you know it's pretty hard um, uh, DIY hardware wallet. So if I can make a little DIY hardware wallet using this thing, this is an M5 stick. These are about fifteen dollars. It's got a nice little display, a couple of clicky buttons. It's got it's based on the SP32. We can make a hardware wallet using this, just a simple functional hardware wallet, not super secure, but secure enough for like someone who's accepting some you know um, a small amount of Bitcoin. And then they could also have a point of sale terminal like this. Um, using open node and then it concatenates the the lightning payments and then outputs the hardware wallet um, and then this whole kit here is like $70 worth of hardware and they've got a fully functional point of sale terminal system or they can add the blitz um, or you know an L&D node and then have like a um, you know this this and also including a node as well and then have it communicate with it okay so, so. i'm gonna ask you another stupid question um so so i'm guessing like do you, so do you configure the connection to your node on that little device well i mean so currently because it's like a diy project yeah um uh, you flash i mean it's really easy to do you just use the arduino id and then you flash the software onto there yourself with your wi-fi credentials and your your macaroons okay. and so on However, however, I've done projects in the past where you make like, um, this can make an access point. So say when you turn it on, you press the middle button, it'll make a, a Wi-Fi hotspot. You connect to that Wi-Fi hotspot, input um, a, well, the access point, input a, a password, and then that will take you somewhere where you have inputs, where you can input your Wi-Fi credentials and then your macaroon and your TLS certificate. So that would be a bit more of a user-friendly way if you're gonna send these out to people where they could easily just like, you know, power it up, press the button, go on their laptop, plug in, put in the details, restart it, and then it will just connect to their node and to their Wi-Fi. But I mean, it's not hard to like flash these things. You just download the Arduino IDE, install a couple of libraries and, you know, you're away. M5 stack, 
they have um, they have a really good little library and it covers quite a lot. So it, it does the QR code generation. So you don't need an external library for that, which makes it a lot simpler. What's cool as well is they tweeted this out. And I'm really keen because I think we've got a lot of talent in the Maker ESP32 M5 stack, whatever microcontroller community, which aren't exploring Bitcoin. You know, we mean step when we're talking. There's like a handful of makers. It's like me, him, Justin Moon, um, a couple of other people messing around with microcontrollers and Bitcoin. Um, we're very keen on pulling them in. So when I tweeted this out, M5 Stack, they were like liking all the tweets. They retweeted it. Um, the actual company M5 Stack as well. So um, yeah. So so I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll develop you know another keypad which is specific for a point of sale unit. If enough of, enough of those Bitcoiners start fiddling around with them, so uh, I think it's cool that like we're getting that interest from that that community, other huge community of people who have great tech skills and can do interesting things with this, you know, with these microcontrollers. So that's the most recent thing. Uh, so yeah, it's been pretty eventful. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's great. I hope hopefully the next thing will be getting the little hardware wallet um, uh, made and then you know getting that to you know interact with open node or whatever or getting um, yeah but that, that that's 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 hopefully the next stage in the project but yeah that's that's about it thank you i just got to say that is super super sweet and i need to learn how to code because that's ridiculous you guys that could code can do some crazy things and i'm jealous it, i mean it's this is what i'm trying to say i mean it's not hard like uh, it, it's um uh, uh, i'm going to do a video tutorial on it but it's it's not a hard thing to start playing around with these things and because it's lightning because it's small amounts and because you're using, you know, your invoice macaroon, for example, there's only so much damage someone can cause, really. Um, uh, you are giving them the read macaroon. But if you're using something like OpenNode, you're just using an invoice API. Mm. There's not that much. All the people can do is just generate invoices. If you, if you know, lose a device, then you can just delete that API key or whatever. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, so it's, 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 it's not that hard. And it's, it's quite safe as well to experiment with this stuff. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super psyched for like getting the video tutorial done for that and then just exploring it more and like um, improving it, you know? Do you have a, um, do you have a, um, um, like an M5 development kit that you suggest for people who want to get started in it? Because I, no, I, I, I honestly, like, I, I, would I just go, went to their website and they have like all kinds of stuff. So I would go for this one. This is the one I bought with, it's got like, Faces? So it's, it's, yeah, it's cool because you can like, you can turn it into a little Nintendo um, um, uh, but it's got a bunch, it's got different keypads. So this one has like a proper keypad where you can like input letters and stuff. Um, and then, so it's like, so this is the M5 stack here. And then this is kind of like the faces backboard. And then that just kind of sits on top of there. And then you just add the keypad you want to add. And then, you know, you flash it with your code and it's cool. It works. It's, um, it's mostly, you know, it's all open source stuff like the ESP 32s. Uh, pretty much full open source, and then it's got an Amiga 358 or whatever it's called T. Uh, that's a full open source chip. So um, yeah, it's very auditable, very safe. You can check all the hardware in there. Um, it's dope. I mean, if you go on AliExpress, you can get them for like fifty-five dollars. If you go on your local Amazon, you'll probably pay like sixty, seventy dollars. But still, though, for the amount of things you can do with this thing, it's 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 cool. Um, um, so yeah, totally totally worth uh, getting that. So that's uh, the Faces development kit. Really psyched. And it's it's cool. You can do an LTE module or TSM module, and then it's completely independent from any yeah, base so, station, right? So you only need it to charge the battery. So so this is this is something like you could use in your your um, your your beer thing, for example. Like this is you know just generating an invoice for a set amount. You pay it, and then flicking the little relay on, and that's just the um, the M5 stack uh, without the the faces development bit like added onto it. 
Um, uh, so no, it's um, yeah, really, really durable and simple and easy to use. Because um, uh, I mean, like some of the projects I've been doing have been fun, but like there's too many plugging in wires and things, it's a bit complicated for people. Uh, so this is a simpler way of doing it where they can just, you know, spend like, I think these are like $30 each or something just on their own. Um, uh, and then obviously, of course, uh, the name M5 Stack Sats. So perfect. Um, uh, I was really happy. That was the most, that was the thing I was most happy with is just the name. <laughs> I love it, man. I just learned something new. I'm probably going to end up getting one of these kits and failing miserably with it a few times. Well, um, I'm, I'm super I'll, I'll psyched. I'll try and put as much, many resources out there as possible. <laughs> if anyone gets really stuck, then just tweet me and I'll try and help them. Oh, man, that is absolutely awesome. It's badass. So thank you very much for sharing that. And uh, obviously, we're going to post, uh, I'm going to post links to the, um, in the show notes to that uh, m5stack.com website if anybody's interested. So, um, all right, we're we're through the introductions, and we're now the, you know the uh, the even more fun part, which is our general discussion about uh, all things lightning. And um, there, there was a couple of things that uh, I see in the chat. Some people wanted to talk about. Um, there's uh, crypto cloaks that mentioned uh, watchtowers. So okay, so I saw a tweet from OpenNoms. I think it was OpenNoms, right? For for watchtowers, like how to set it up, like. In, in, with your, uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's on the Raspy Blitz. Was that yeah. it? Like the, so yes. Yeah, so, the, so Watchtower, Watchtower um, functionality came out in the LND point, uh, 0.7, which was now it's a month old, right? <laughs> it's in, you know, Bitcoin time. It is, it is year. That's forever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I started to play around with it. You know basically straight straight after and I managed to to make it work in your own LAN in within your own home network it's it's quite straightforward it has a very very good uh, description uh, installation uh, guide from Bitconner who actually implemented it into into the uh, into LND um, so you can just go by that but uh, yeah what I've what I've done uh, is made a guide specifically for the Raspberry bits. I mean, including how to how to open ports, you know, what you need to do with what it is specific to our, our setup, and also managed to make it work behind Tor now. So basically, if you go into my, there is a repo of mine under like GitHub uh, dash open arms lightning node management, there is a watchtower.md, which I, I will link here. And that is um, about it's it's basically a, an introduction and then a step-by-step -step guide about you know how to how to set this up and how to see it working in the logs as well and then the address of of one of my nodes which is only a test node so you know there is no way breaking it i mean it is supposed to be broken that's that's the that's the point <laughs> but um if you have a a node behind tor then you can actually connect to it uh, and be protected from, you know, malicious uh, peers who are who are basically trying to cheat you by uh, reinstating a, a previous state. So that is, I, I don't think that happens very often in like uh, uh, um like they don't want people don't really your peers you should have peers who don't want to cheat you right <laughs> but then 
accidentally when someone is uh, recovering an old backup, they could uh, go for a previous state and then uh, they might accidentally cheat you. So if you have a watchtower connected, watching the blockchain for you, then it will make this justice transaction instead of your node. So what would happen by default, if, if you have a, a peer coming back with a previous state, then there would be a, a justice transaction broadcasted, which would um, result in force closing the channel and all, all the funds in the channel move to you, to the to node which is cheated. Uh, the problem is when someone would close a channel with a previous state when your node is offline. And then, I mean, with a force close, there is like a time limit. It's usually, I think it's a, it's a week or, or at least like two days um, to wait before the, the transaction is, is uh, accepted or before it is, uh, before the funds return uh, after the force close. But if you don't go online in that time period, then you know that peer can uh, is able to take the funds. But if if there is a watchtower which has been um, provided with the information about these channels, uh, I mean we can go into more detail. But I think it's better to read it, read it through. How it, um, in short, the watchtower doesn't know about your channels until this uh, until a, a, a force close is broadcasted yeah and then and then um finds that in the blockchain and then it broadcasts the dust justice transaction on the behalf of your node so that's what it all does it basically has half of the transaction id of the possible uh, closing transactions and then just looks for this in the blockchain. So it can be done by any little device like an Raspberry Pi 3 is able to be a, a, a watchtower for, you know, for a couple of nodes at least. That's why I'm, I'm curious if some people, you know, for example, connect to me, I don't think it would make any uh, significant uh, demand on my node. Um, so that's why I've just shared the address as well. And um, yeah. So let, let me uh, let me ask you this. What do you, um, I, I mean, because so far from everything I've read about the watchtowers, it's it's pretty much like, it's pretty much, we're, we're not, the only incentive, which is a, a good incentive, right? Is to is to keep everybody honest, right? It's, a, it's an independent, in, in a way, you know, an independent, third party that is not well third party that's a bad way to describe it like I, I guess like an impartial algorithm right that keeps the knowledge of the last closed state so I, I guess what I'm saying is is that like um, the, is there any is there any like incentive in terms of Satoshis for running one of these or is it really just about um, you know kind of keeping the peace yeah right so, and f first of all, it doesn't only know the last state, but it, it does know about all the possible transactions, which can be, which could be the res result of a 
of a of closing with a previous state. Oh, okay. So it has a list. So basically, every this little every this every uh, little data packet is like a tweet, which is when the channel state changes, it is sent to the watchtower and then it stores it. So it's, you know, needs some storage as well, but it's obviously, uh, you know, a lot you, you can store in like one gigabyte, right? Uh, and, um, oh, sorry, what was, the, what was the second part of the question? Oh yeah, no, just the, the second part of the question was the, um, like the, the incentive, right? Like, it, yes, it, right. So, it, it, it's really like, it, it, are we actually getting, you know, like when we do, you know, when we have lightning channels, we get, you know, small portions of Satoshis or, num, you know, or a small amount of Satoshis, like the watchtower implementation. I, I don't know if we, if we get that for providing a watchtower. No, for now, these are called altruistic watchtowers. Yeah. So for that reason that you cannot take a share of a, of a, a kind of a saved fund, but in you know later versions of LND, it will be implemented that you can set basically a fee, either a fixed fee or kind of a, a percentage fee from from a transaction which you uh, which the watchtower has uh, you know saved basically, or like a, a channel content which has been saved. So yeah, it will be it can be profitable later. For now, it is completely free. It's just to yeah, as you say, keep the keep the network honest um do you uh let me ask you this have you guys started discussing uh building the uh you know like the uh the you know the ssh terminal ui for being able to manage the uh, the watchtowers or being able to you know connect to one or you know from the raspy blitz like not just not just the method that you described in the instructions but something you know something that's an easier ux for those of us that are not comfortable at the command line well it's just uh, a matter of, you know, knowing a, knowing a reliable watchtower. I mean, my test node is not, you know, dead for now, <laughs> but um, it's it's just a matter of putting it into the LND conf that, you know, watchtowers uh, that you want to activate it and just put down a client, client address, basically. It's just like, it's almost like opening, ha having a, a peer connected, just okay. not connected as a peer for channels, but a peer to be a watchtower. So, so the, the, incent, the incentive for running a watchtower, it might maybe some company and it could just be for kind of social incentive yeah. among... Yeah, like for example, if, yeah, if you know Breeze Wallet, they are running LND and they, they have like, uh, you know, very advanced interface on the phone and they do provide a watchtower service just by default. So, yeah, or, or, or for myself, if I have or, or anyone else who has nodes in different kind of physical locations, maybe, you know, you could have it like different countries or wherever, you know, I just drop a Raspberry Pi wherever I am, you know, <laughs> wherever I have, leave a couple of clothes, I just put a Raspberry Pi there as well. And then I, you know, that can act as a watchtower. And then, you know, even if the electricity is gone for a while, uh, it can look after the nodes which are on the other place. So for yourself, you just, uh, you know, it has minimal demand on the hardware, so it is. Uh, yeah, I was just wondering if you, do, do, would you? I don't know. Maybe I'm speculating too much, but um, is there less of a demand on the hardware as, say, you know, running a, a full mode for Lightning? So running like a Raspberry Blitz or something. So could you have watchtowers? I don't know. Maybe using much smaller, cheaper hardware. Yes. 
I think you can, but for now, for now, uh, there, there is like a pull request or like an issue opened on the LND repo that uh, it's uh, later it is planned to be able to build just in itself as, as like you can build just a watchtower daemon. But for now, it needs to run together with the LND. And then obviously it needs to watch the blockchain somehow. So you would need a full node in the background. Um, or, or well, or new train or later. I'm, I'm not sure. But you know, these are all, these are not ready yet. But for now, you need a full node and a full LND on top to run a watchtower. So, you know, kind of Raspberry Pi 3 is the minimal. <laughs> again, yeah, minimal viable product stuff again, isn't it? It's, yes. it's fine, which is fine. You need to make sure that if, if you are running watchtowers, the reliability factor is important, right? You need to be online. You need to make sure that the watchtower itself is not going down, right? That is that makes it, uh, you know, a good use case for a watchtower. The hardware, the reliability, that's important. Yes, it needs to be always on, you, and you want it. Obviously, you don't want it, your node and the watchtower down at the same time. So that's yeah. why I'm suggesting that you should put it in two separate locations, yeah. uh, not behind the same router, because that doesn't really, you know, check all the um possibilities can you have multiple watchtowers or is that just uh i think for now only one at a time but i mean you know the speed of could... development of lnd is just yeah because <laughs> they could do like a two or three type thing you could have like three of them couldn't you and then two of them agree on something on a state yeah i think how it works at the moment is when you if it loses connection to one then it goes and tries to connect to a next one in the list but at the time, it only connects to one. And then again, this is all super duper complicated stuff, which hopefully in the future people won't need to even need to think about. It's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one hit button, one button, and get a watchtower set up. That's all. Yeah, you don't need to like click a button. Like you just, you just pay it's just there, and then it's just all for you. Yeah. 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 I mean, even now, if you if you just put it into the you know LND conf by default. By the way, in the Raspberry one point three release candidate one, the Watchtower equals active is already in the LND conf. So, you know, those, those nodes can be already connected to if you, you know, the, the trick is the same public key as the as your LND node. So you need to like find it out with a little command from the command line. And oh, you just cut out there. No, no, I, I've, I've been thinking more and more about like linguistically, like it's um, like we keep saying Lightning Network and Bitcoin and sort of differentiating between the two. Um, and then it's, it's similar with this with kind of watchtowers. And it's like it, we're always making these differentiations. Whereas I'm not like, if I'm going to send you an email, I'm not like, oh, do you want it SMTP or, you know, IMAP or, you know, it's just kind of just works and everything just works. So I think this is protocol development out in the open. Everyone's seeing, you know, how a sausage is made and all that. Is, uh, um, <laughs> but eventually it will just, just work and then we won't be talking about lightning networks and whatever else. Yeah. Yeah, the problem is, well, like a lightning network is such good branding and it sounds so good. Like I think if we just called it like unicast or you know as a, and broadcast or I don't know, the but hopefully I, the Bitcoin I, sausage network. Yeah, <laughs> Bitcoin sausage network. Yeah. Uh, we should probably even rename the show to just I don't know, um, Bitcoin unicast group or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, but it, it's true though to your point though, uh, BTC socialist, that it, uh, it does it does somewhat confuse people. You know, between Lightning and Bitcoin, and unfortunately, um, you know, you, you do see some pretty some pretty stupid stuff on on Twitter where you know people are totally confused, 
and you know sitting there saying lightning's not oh, bitcoin exactly it just gives it gives the opposition <laughs> it just gives them uh, fire but not that we care but it gives them just firepower doesn't it so like you know if i'm going to send someone bitcoin now i'll be like oh do you want unicast or broadcast shall i tell the world about this transaction or shall i just tell you and um yeah that's just kind of a good the way i'm trying to trying to frame it now <laughs> yeah, i think you know uh, ben uh, you are doing a very good job of uh, uh, abstracting these all away with these um, you know open net projects or or, or uh, this kind of tangible point of sale things it's like a la layer on top you have like you know the cryptographic layer i mean we have someone who deals with that uh, google uh, you know that is it is a, <laughs> a great that's I mean, obviously, the most of the work is done there. And then, you know, we have the whole responsibility stack in between, which is kind of applies it. And then we have these, you know, point of sale devices, for example, on uh, on different, uh, you know, uh, level, which is all needed and comes back together when you don't need to, you know, on the end, you just need to press a button and the QR code appears and scan it and it's done. Well, I mean, we could get into the position where, you know, if something cataclysmic does happen to the to the economy, which a lot of us think it might, um, uh, we may suddenly be in the position where this stuff needs to work and it needs to work in like the real world. And we need to be able to just have point like, you know, the current these sorts of point of sale terminals, which shops and things already have. We need a plug in for this where it's going to be able to interact with the node and use um, Ollie's uh, 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 caveats, uh, macaroons. So. We can have like um, uh, you know, limit the amount you can spend or, or, or from from yeah um, uh, to make these sorts of devices more possible. So um, uh, so so yeah, no, I think it's like it's like future, it's just future proofing, isn't it? So we can switch interoperably from the fiat system yeah. to the Bitcoin system. So I see you have uh, one, one of those devices. Do you do you actually? I've tried my best, man. I was pretty locked down and I'm pretty doofusy, so it takes me a while. I've been in contact with them. I think I'm actually just have to go to one of their conferences or like stalk the CEO or something. I don't know. Like I'll have to, I'll have to track, I'll have to figure out a way to get in in that company. Yeah, um, I need a key for this, right? Yeah. That's what I was asking, uh, wanted to ask if how open is it, but obviously it is. But I mean, they're, they're competing companies, so ultimately I'm sure you'll find one which is willing to try and innovate, probably one of the smaller companies and then give themselves that edge. I mean, you, you, you're just, for them, you're developing a plugin to do a thing. And then, you know, if, if they can get there, it's not a complicated thing doing it, getting a post request and it's fairly secure. So, um, uh, so if they can get their engineers to vet the code, like it's, it's not much work for them. Um, and it means that all those little dork over it and probably buy loads of their units. So it's it maybe be good, good for their sales. So yeah, it's just taking the time to try and do like some liaison work with, um, with those industry guys, um, which uh, a lot of us Bitcoiners aren't very good at. <laughs> Right, yeah, and then and then they can make, they can force to have the payment routes through their node, and you know take their arbitrarily high fee and things like that. That's <laughs> true. That's a very good point. Actually, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we don't want monopolies. No. That's exactly right. Okay, so um, I, I got to uh, I got to ask. Uh, yeah, open noms. I feel bad, right? Like you, you weren't here for the last one, and now you're just getting slaughtered with all these questions. But. Um, Okay, so I started working on the, uh, as you saw, like uh, with the VM, you know, trying to get the Raspi Blitz working on the VM. So I can get it to work perfectly if I don't enable Tor. And that thread, uh, uh, there hasn't been any development on it, but like, do you think this is going to happen or is it just a, or is it just a dead project? Because I believe it or not, there's actually quite a few techie people that would love to get into running lightning nodes, but they have 
they, they're just skittish about actually buying hardware, but they have computers where they can run VirtualBox. And, and they'd be willing to run Lightning nodes if they could stick it in a VM. So I, I think that this would really, really help with like the, uh, you know, the other type of the other type of computer geeks, you know, that like don't want to invest in this stuff but still want to play. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's that's a that's a big project, but it's completely viable. <laughs> it's it's already already works perfectly well without Tor. It does. <laughs> the thing is, you know, in recently we have updated the base image which to. To the Debian Buster, Tor was updated from like 3.8 something to 4.0, um, and then we put all this package into a VM, which is routed through your computer and then through the the router as well. So there are so many places where this can be broken. You know, but it just needs time. We will look into it. You know, I, I will look into it certainly more and um yeah that would be great to have just you know maybe from the next image from the uh released resplits 1.3 just to have an, another image on on the side which is which is a vm which you can set up yourself as well but you can just you could just download it as an as you do it with the sd card image for the raspberry pi and also as i've done one sd card image for the for the old rate old rates hc1 and so on um so Yes, I think, you know, I, I like to work on it more and I, you know, a certain thing is possible to do, but um, I didn't get Tor working behind in, in, a, in a virtual machine yet. So, you know, let's see. Okay, so I don't feel so bad because... No. <laughs> because... <laughs> I don't think. Hopefully someone who has experience with this, you know, might uh, have a look at this or listen to this podcast and, you know, might pick up that oh, I might pitch in there. Yeah, exactly. I, I hope so. Because I really think it's a cool project, and I, I got to tell you, it was a really cool experience to set it up in virtual box and, you know, just have it nice like that. You know, it's uh, it, it's pretty cool. I, I think it kind of makes it it um, it kind of starts to create a shift to a more enterprise level application, but still accessible at the retail level. You know, it's also it's a good on ramp for people as well, isn't it? You know, if you can say to your techie mate, if you can say, "Well, just install this VMware thing," and then you've got okay. a node running, and then show them that way, and then they'll start thinking, "Well, but build my own one out of a Raspberry exactly. Pi." Exactly. Like, like for me, I could tell you, you know, at first I wanted, like, when I first tried the, uh, um, yeah, I'm admit, I'm admitting my failure, but at first when I tried Staticus's Raspberry Bolt, like, I mean, I could not get that thing going, you know, and like it's it just, you know, so then I went and gave up, and then I got myself a Casa node. You know, got me super excited. I got it working. I felt confident. I was happy. And then I went and turned to the Raspy Blitz. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready to get my own working. So I, I think yeah, it, so does, it, it does kind of help with the confidence. You know, like at the VM, they don't have to invest so much. They see it working. It's like, hey, I can do this. Can I like, um, can I, can I ask, a, uh, uh, throw a random topic in for Ollie? Um, how to, I want to know how the custom macaroon stuff's going and like whether we're going to get uh, custom macaroons anytime soon. And you're the man to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard anything new on the pull requests, so they're still in there. They're still on priority three, I think. Um, I've heard that maybe after 0 0.7, they might have time to review. Uh, I don't know. 
Um, so sorry, no, no news yet. Yeah, um, but they're on there for people to play with and test and experiment with. So. Well, I didn't get any new comments or acts or whatever. So if you want to test them out, then feel free to do so. I would uh, I guess that would probably help? Um, yeah. So uh, there's not much I can do so <laughs> at the moment. I think. Uh, apart from um, rebasing all the time, so <laughs> yeah. Right. Can, can you please link that PR so we might just you know build it into our or um, you know. Uh, there are about five different PRs that are a bit uh, um, connected to each other, so they no. build on top of each other. But uh, yeah, can I can link them? Sure. But does it work if you build the LND from your repo? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, for testing, I mean, that, that VM image, the virtual machine image for this, was for mainly this purpose to allow quick testing, just, you know, a little change. And then you spin it up on, obviously, on my laptop or on a, on a, you know, i7 PC or whatever. It just, I mean, no, it's less of a problem, but on a, you needed to wait half an hour for a little change. Obviously, building LND was out of question uh, from source. But uh, yeah, in the virtual machine, it's much, you know, it's must. It's a good way of testing in a known environment, which I, you know, which is now. Well, if it will be stable, but it is stable on ClearNet, so we can all test the little things on in LND. And that's very exciting. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I posted uh, one one pull request, uh, the one where you can create new macaroon with uh, custom permissions. Maybe that's useful, so you you're not stuck with the read-only or admin or uh, invoice macaroon, but you can create your own permissions uh, as a list. Um, and yeah, if you just go to uh, the, the open pull requests and and uh, type in macaroon, you find all my other pull requests. So. Yeah, right. And it also has the label of needs testing. So, you know, you can. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like as well. yeah, cool. Yeah. Thanks. So I, I got a uh, I got a question that's uh, off topic from uh, TLS and macaroons. Um, and uh, I just wanted to know, is there uh, is there any chance of getting a BTC pay server on the Raspi Blitz? And I know some people have asked about that as well. Does anybody... They can't, I mean, because like, um, uh, Dorier said it's like perfectly, he had it running on a Pi on, on top of yeah. a, yeah. Um, but that was a Pi 3 too, so Pi 4. You should, shouldn't be, it's just, again, it's probably the case of someone sitting down and doing it, I guess. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean, like throwing together the, the UI and everything like that, so it's all uniform and, yeah. you know, like that, that's, that's a brilliant like, project. That, that's like the whole key, you know, it's like all, all of this stuff, all of these modules coming together and you just have this killer UX, you know, but of course, it's also the challenge of keeping everything small enough that it's actually affordable <laughs> instead of this turning into some beast. Yeah, the problem with this is that you know BT Space Server is is an N Bitcoin. You know, it is it is based on the Microsoft Net framework. It is, you know, oh, yeah. many many new dependencies which we don't yes. need at the moment. And if we yes. would need to put that on, then you know we we would install a system which is which is actually bigger than the existing Raspberry uh, stack. So 
and also, I mean, what, what's the, the challenge here with, with these services that to make it use the same full node, the same Bitcoin Core, you know, blockchain and Bitcoin Core resource what we use already with the LND. Because by default, you know, BTC Pay Server has an automatic deployment uh, one line script mm-hmm. to put it on a Raspberry Pi, but it's just, um, it obviously downloads its own its own blockchain. So if we would do that on Raspberry Blades, you know, it would need another 300 gigabytes and so on. Uh, and it just has its own UI. So to integrate it into a terminal-based, you know, dialogue kind of thing, which we have on the on the Raspberry Pi, it's, it's just uh, I don't. I, I would just rather put it onto another yeah. another right. But you know, I like to I like to use it, and I didn't try to put it on. But you know, it, it's it's probably possible. But this it, it, server probably doesn't make sense. The, the, the other thing is what is on my list is the, the Samurai Dojo, you know, because that gives us, you know, gives Whirlpool. so many features. Well, Whirlpool, Whirlpool is a GUI, so that won't, as it is now, it would only run on your PC, right? Because you need the yeah. screen and everything. But, um, but, it's, but the Dojo is served as a backend of the Samurai wallet and actually you know, using like Whirlpool doesn't make sense if we don't if you are not running your own dojo as well. <laughs> so you know, and I mean there is an issue open about that, and there are some scripts which would help deploying with a with a custom full node, which is which is already on the on the Raspberry Blitz. So you know that would be another very kind of possibly demanding thing, which would suit for the Raspberry Pi four, but yeah, it just needs time to play with it, right? I have a big list. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's the problem. It's like we want to stick all these technologies together, you know? It's like it's like you just want to have everything, but it's it's just not possible. Well, but the thing is we are running on these very cheap hardware, so, you know, you can have one for each. <laughs> exactly. No, that, that, that's why I totally love it, you know? <laughs> having having seven nodes is, is fun. You know, so it's like... and it's it's resilient as well, you see, because you know your L and D wallet still works when you smashed your you know your samurai dojo in the corner, or your you know dog has eaten it. <clears throat> you don't put all your eggs in one basket in that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Konikers, you have a lot of notes, right? <laughs> I, I just. The... You just installed that um, what power outage protection or. That's right. Do, do you also have overvoltage protection? So from uh, if uh, there's a f- storm outside and uh, lightning bolts hitting your house, it's, will it fry your notes or not? <laughs> well, you know what? So it doesn't, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. It definitely doesn't have the high quality overvoltage protection that it should. But the, the goal is that if that would ever happen, it would fry that battery before it hits my node. (laughs) It's supposed to have a, it's supposed to have a kill built in. So if, if it gets hit, it's supposed to just stop at the battery, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. (laughs) I'm building actually, now that I got the parts for the RPI four, I'm going to build the, uh, the seventh node. So cool. Yeah. It's just fun. I, I like building the cases and everything like that, you know? 
Yeah, I really liked your secure case, which was um, what was what did you use for that, like the metal box? So essentially, because I, I work in access control for for a living, which is like you know intrusion systems and uh, security systems. So um, essentially, those are the, uh, the those are the cans, the, those are the cases that are used for those controllers. Because every single one of these keyless entry systems, you know, like uh, um, proximity and stuff like that, proximity cards. Right. Um, every single one of these, like really what it is, is, is that there's a piece of software, a server. OK. And the server goes out usually through a network or uh, serial protocol 232 or 485. And it goes out to a um, to an actual physical panel that is inputs and relays. So these cans are where you fit these relay boards inside. So they're, they're all fire tested and everything. And as uh, as Crypto Cloaks pointed out, uh, what was it uh, like the uh, are they fire tested with the holes as well? Um, no, they are definitely not. And that'll just melt everything inside. <laughs> so, but the can itself won't melt. <laughs> yeah, it'd be quite nice to because you could. This is something. This is the next thing I want to fiddle around with. Is getting um, uh, you know like slave nodes communicating with the the blitz. So run like RTL or something like that on a sort of slave node, and then have it display on like a little slave screen. So this can be completely separate. I think I spoke about it on the last show. So this can be completely separate to the node, and then the node can be in one of your secure boxes, and then um, that can just be communicating with it. I don't know if it feels like more secure because the cool thing about the Blitz is a screen, but then in order to keep checking the screen, you have to keep exposing your node to the, the outside world, don't you? Yeah. Or, you know, um, and it's also part of the the you know the uh, the visual factor with the node right that screen is you know because if it's just a box it, it's boring you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. It, it's like so it's it's kind of that balance between function and security and yeah you know, I mean you could have you could function. have you could have the screen on the outside but you could still have the box secure without any holes in it um, and then just have it communicate through or would you but it struggles to communicate, do you reckon? Maybe, I don't know. Probably need to experiment. No matter what, you still have to have one hole in that box to pass the wires through. Because you, you still have to... So you just... And they're all knockouts, right? So you punch one of those holes and then, you know, you've got your two, you got your two cables that come out. Ah, uh, okay. Your network, your network and your power. Now, if it, was a, if it was a real installation, like let's say... Let's say somehow in the future, running lightning nodes becomes the same thing as, you know processing payments for the network you know for visa and mastercard so you at this point now have to secure your location and you know you've got one of these nodes it's in a can the the reality is is that there's special piping that comes out of one of those punch out holes and goes into a, a steel you know like a steel pipe that you can't get to so uh, there's i mean if this would ever become an industrial type of use case there's yeah, there's industrial solutions that make it so that they can't be tampered with, or it's extremely difficult to tamper with it. It's cool, man. I really like it because we, we obviously everyone brings what they can in their own experience into trying to make Bitcoin better and more resilient. But I really like the fact that that's your specific area of expertise, and you're applying it to Bitcoin. It's cool. It's I was gonna say it's the only thing because I can't write code for shit. So <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah, but you know your security is good. <laughs> yeah, even though I kind of doxed myself on uh, one of my posts. And uh, G, uh, Der Gigi pointed it out. <laughs> so, Why? What was it? 
Uh, I, I don't uh, I don't remember <laughs> exactly, but uh, but yeah, he was able to find me on Google Maps, and I was like, hey, why don't you come visit me? I'm like, I'm in Massachusetts, and he goes and puts the map in and shows the town where I'm living, and he's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Oh no. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, it was just your IP address, wasn't it? Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 So, it's like it, I just didn't enable Tor yet, and I didn't think of it. You know, and it was too late. And I hate deleting posts because I, I'm a whole like integrity and trust person, you know, nice. and I, I believe like if you're deleting posts that, you know, it's kind of weak. Shouldn't Doctor need to delete posts. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. So uh, what else? Uh, what else do you guys want to uh, shoot about? I think we're, we're all done, I think, maybe amazingly. Yeah, there is. A, there's one. Uh... A new feature which came out called LMD Mon. I don't know where you got a chance to look at it. Um, I have not played with it yet, but I kind of read through what it was. And it sounds like a good tool for network monitoring, you know, because especially for a routing node operator, there are a lot of network related parameters that uh, uh, they need to track. And it, it looks like a good tool for automating all that monitoring of the network. And um, I think it still requires some development. It's just an initial release. Uh, but uh, you know, potentially, what you can do is uh, create some sort of uh, monitoring rules, uh, which then LND Mon can uh, you know monitor and create events, alerts, uh, which then can give you signals on you know taking specific actions, right? So, you know, especially if you're like uh, running a routing node, uh, there are so many parameters like channel balance, right? Uh, you know, fees, fee rates. There's so many things that you can you can monitor actually on the network. And if this is automated, it, it will help you generate signals uh, so that you can, you know, react to those signals and, and take actions on the node. So it's, it's a good start in that direction. Uh, but it's uh, right now it's very basic and it's just uh, monitoring and giving you graphs of the data that it is uh, you know garnering from lnd node but uh, it can be developed much more further yeah and it's really cool the technology they used so they built it um with uh, prometheus which is an open source uh uh, metric collection service and then there's Grafana which can basically chart these metrics um, mm -hmm. so the thing is you can integrate all your other node statistics so you can have a look at um, your operating system uh, because there are um, Prometheus demons for almost every software so you can just um, add more metrics to it, and they will go all into the same Prometheus instance. And then you can build your whole uh, like monitoring dashboard with everything. So uh, in my opinion, they, they chose the, the, the right uh, tool to do it. So LND Mon is just, uh, as far as I understand, uh, a small binary that pulls stuff from the RPC and yeah. then publishes it to uh, Prometheus, which is, is super useful because uh, big node operators probably already have a, a Prometheus instance running somewhere where they collect all the other network information. So I think it's it's a cool technology stack they they chose. Yep, I think it needs to develop much more further. Uh, you know, especially alerts. You know, monitoring events and then creating alerts 
so that uh, you can get signals right that's important right? you you'll not always be looking at the charts right uh, it's impossible to look at all the data stream what you need is you know creating some sort of real time events uh, so which generate signals so that you can you know, go and react to those signals i like that we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna post the link to uh, uh, to the article. Uh, thank you very much, Openoms. We're we're gonna and uh, uh, Suheb. We're gonna post a link to that in the show notes. That's really cool. Yes, I think that will make the, the running a routing routing node much much more easy. I mean, it, it's basically a Dockerized uh, tool collection which you just spin up and it doesn't even necessarily need to run on the same machine so you can yeah. run it on your laptop and monitor your rest blitz uh once you build it properly and um that's the other thing i was i'm continuously looking at and i was just playing around with with rebalancing some channels that are like two like python based libraries which are which are um dealing with this when you can basically there is one called rebalance lmd which is the older one of the two i know and um a more developed one um where you can just take two channels for with the channel ids and say that you want um and put the amount of how much how many sets you want what you want to place from one channel to another one and just rebalance it that way and um it's it's extremely easy to use i mean it's command line but but it's very self-explanatory and also it is um you can see how it tries to root around your your channels it usually uh needs about like in my channels i have like 15 going uh with like quite well connected nodes but still to rebalance some of my channels, it needs three, four, five hops um, to to go around my um, my connections, and it all it all it all updates that. But the, the aim is to have this automated, of course. Exactly. And then I think everyone is, I mean, a lot of people yeah. for all the all the implementations are working on it, like LNDC, Lightning, you know, uh, Eclair, to to have have this working as like an autopilot is working just have an automatic rebalancing script going in the background but then you have these these projects which you can use already uh, manually uh, so that that is very exciting and also as you said to have you need to provide data for these yeah. and this lnd man is, is a very good source for that Yeah, thank you very much, Suheb. That that that's uh, I didn't even know about LND Mon, so it's very very cool. And yeah, the uh, going back to the uh, channel rebalancing, people would definitely want to have obviously an automated script or a scheduled task. You know, where let's say a certain amount of times a day, it just automatically rebalances the channels, you know, or something like that. So and that kind of obviously keeps your keeps your node healthy, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, guys. If uh, you know, if uh, if we don't have uh, much else to uh, to talk about, we can uh, we can do go through our final thoughts. Uh, what does everybody think about that? All right, we're gonna get we're gonna get started with. Uh, we'll go back down the line, uh, the reverse order. We'll uh, we'll start this time with uh, BTC Socialist Man. Final thoughts. Oh, uh, Sh chill uh, your I'm stuff. Really sure. um, uh, looking forward to. Um, 
because obviously I think these shows are, are they every month or every couple of months. So uh, we we do it every month, but uh, everybody yeah, shows yeah, up. Okay. You know, we schedule it every month. Yeah. Um, I, I managed to get a ticket for the the lightning conference in Berlin, um, and they were selling out like hotcakes. And Jeff's done this. Uh, so like the Chaos Communication Congress, the tickets for that are kind of like um, staggered. Um, so he's done a similar system, I think, with the LN conference. So it's actually quite hard to get a ticket. So I was really happy to finally get mine because it'd suck if I couldn't go to that. So anyone out there who's really interested in lightning stuff and can make it to Berlin, then come along. It should be absolutely amazing. Um, um, so yeah, just been thinking about that, really. And uh, I'm going to send this bad boy to Room 77. So when we go to the after party in the Berlin conference, I can't wait to buy a beer using this thing. Um, and that's, that's pretty much all I've got to think about really at the moment. <laughs> you, need, you need to record that, by the way. Like that, that has to be a video. We oh, need yeah, to see that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's like as a personal journey. Like the first t- so when I first went to the first Lightning Hack Day, um, I got there a few days early and then I just tweeted out, is there anyone around? And they, uh, people said, oh, yeah, we're in Room 77. Go to, it was the first time I'd been to Room 77. And I met, met uh, Jorg, the guy who owns it, and he's like an also cypunk, super cool guy, one of the most interesting people you'll ever meet. Um, and he was like a lightning skeptic. Uh, and it wasn't until the third, just because he'd had like real world problems with Bitcoin scaling issues, um, uh, accepting payments for beer. He'd had to do like zero conf and stuff. Um, so he was pretty skeptical about the proposals to scale, um, you know, in, in a good way. Um, uh, but by the third conference, Rennie Pickard and a bunch of others, they developed like a, um, a way for um, uh, York to be able to accept lightning transactions on his phone. Um, and then uh, he was like six in the morning. He was like after the after party had fizzled out. He was at the end of the bar hacking away on his laptop. And he was on Reddit. He put this post and it's like, you know, the scaling debate's over. And he's super psyched about it. I was at the other end of the bar drinking a beer, which I paid for on Lightning. It was cool. Um, so to go from like turning up at that first Lightning conference, uh, Lightning hack day is like a complete noob. You know, I couldn't really figure out where I could maybe fit in and help to actually having like a device which i'd worked on you know in the bar uh, accepting payments for you know um, uh, bitcoin payments unicast bitcoin payments um that'll just be that'll just be a great kind of full circle thing for me uh so hopefully that'll happen you know i'm gonna send it to him anyway so you better bloody use it very cool and uh, i'm definitely gonna look into uh the m5 stack website and uh, get some hardware thank you so much um, okay, so uh, next down the line, Suheb, any uh, any final thoughts? Anything you want to share with the folks? Uh, I think I gave all the updates. So just wanted to recognize uh, Diogo Sergio, who's actually the person working with us uh, on UX. I think you guys, some of you might know him already from uh, BitDevs in London, I believe. Uh, cool. But, yeah, but he's the person who's actually working with us for UX. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, so, you know, give us some time to work on these uh, uh, his UX suggestions and then we'll come up with a new looking uh, feel of uh, RTL. Very cool, very cool. Thank you very much. All right, Openums, any uh, any final thoughts? Well, you know, I'm just so amazed that, you know, just between like six of us, we are, you know, working so many things and I'm, I'm you know, so excited about about you know, every update from every every one of you is just you know amazing. Uh, just just to follow this, uh, you know, I, I I try to keep up with with, up, with my projects as well. And uh, yeah, I will I will see you in the Berlin Lightning Conference as well. Uh, managed to get one of the very early bird tickets uh, with a quick Lightning payment. 
and yes, I mean, you know, shout out for, to Diego. He's the one who actually made, makes the Lightning, the London Bitcoin Dev yep. videos available. He's the one uh, recording. So cool. Yeah, uh, anyone who's been there has met him. Um, very good UX person, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've had some uh, some chat with him in the background as well. Uh, yep. You know what's what so you know be in contact and it's uh, you know very nice thing that you are working with him um yeah excited for this also yeah and you know thank you for for this call <laughs> cool man we love having you on um all right we're gonna move over to oliver any final thoughts uh yeah i'm also really looking forward to the lightning conference uh in october I've even been uh, asked by Jeff if I'd like to give a talk. So I'm probably going to speak there. Uh, I don't really know about the topic yet. I think uh, it might be interesting to talk about uh, channels in general uh, with uh, more detail on the whole cryptography that's behind it, or how does that stuff look, and how do the watchtowers work. But yeah, if anyone's got an idea what, I sh what they always wanted to know, um, maybe I can talk about this then. Um, and I'm also going to be at the Chaos Communication Camp, so really looking forward to that. We're taking the beer tap with us again, so there will be lightning beer. So yeah, it's it's going to be an exciting fall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're making me jealous. Uh, you guys have fun. <laughs> have fun. No, no, don't be. Have fun. Have beers. <laughs> make memories. All that good stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thank you. Um, all right, Rick from the Crypto Cloak. Any final thoughts, yeah. my friend? Uh, I need to go get a ticket to Berlin because we're <laughs> doing all the cool stuff over there. So. Uh, besides that, uh, we just had a contest that we gave away one of our shells, and it went to actually a really good good person over in South Korea. They're actually they run a little like Bitcoin group and they're trying to explore bitcoin in south korea and it's called soul bitcoin so i finally got that note done for them Sick. pretty excited toss in a raspberry pi 3 for them to get them started so that way they can try to get that raspberry blitz node running and then they can mess with payments and everything and they can kind of learn about it in their community so that's pretty exciting to get that done over to them um besides that yeah the, the new shells are ready to go um the open source one, hopefully I'll drop this week when I get that done, and then I can get feedback from everybody in the community. They can let me know what I need to change or whatnot. Do any of you guys have printers that you can test print to? I'm going to get one. You got one. I'm, I'm I might be able to, yeah, I might be able to access, access one. Uh, okay. Perfect. Because, yeah, I'll, I'll get those uploaded, and then if you guys want to test print, and then we can see how it goes and whatever many changes you guys want, I can start doing that. Or you can do them yourself if you want. Yeah, it sounds, like, yeah, it sounds yeah. like decentralized uh, cloaks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. Decentralizing <laughs> at least one thing. I know I've been asked when STL for the last two years almost. So, are you gonna are you gonna stick it on that Thingiverse? The yeah, I can put it on Thingiverse. I'll have it on my file factory on Crypto Cloaks, and I'll just put it on the GitHub too. So it'll be everywhere, and we can go from there. Cool, fantastic. Very so cool. yeah, that's that's all I got. Uh, Exciting stuff happening over here, but you guys are all coding super cool stuff. <laughs> Exciting. 
I love your poster in the back, by the way. He's doing a nice kickflip with his Bitcoin board on the moon. Yeah, I love that one. Very nice. Bitcoin art in your shop. Very nice. I like it. All right. So, uh, so look, you know, I, I just want to thank everybody again for your time and your expertise. You guys are all absolutely awesome. And, you know, one day somebody's going to look back at all of this and be like, hey, this is part of what made Bitcoin great. So thank you all very much for, for coming on this, uh, the third lightning roundtable. And uh, I'll catch you guys all on the, uh, on the next one. Right. Sure. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I hope everybody enjoyed this uh, this episode of uh, of the Lightning Node Roundtable. It's really incredible to get all these folks together and and to talk this all out. It's I, I learn something new every time. Um, there's going to be a lot of links in the show notes, like uh, for Oliver's article, and there's going to be some other links in the show notes as well uh, for the. Um, uh, the M5 stack that BTC Socialist was talking about. Um, we're also going to put in the show notes, there was a link that Suheb had discussed um, about the LND monitor. So we're going to put that. Anyways, check out the show notes. The show notes are probably almost as valuable as our discussion, which is pretty great. Um, anyways, if uh, as always, if, uh, if you want to reach me, you could find me at Coin Icarus on Twitter and Telegram. And if you want to reach me by email, I'm funwithcrypto at protonmail.com. Thank you all for listening and catch you all next time.